I have a love-hate relationship with directions and decisions. When it comes to directions, I really like Google Maps. Google Maps are my friend. I, I feel like that has alleviated so much stress in my life. Because back in the day, before I had a smartphone, when I was like in high school, I would have to print out my directions and then like try and read it while I'm driving and drinking the coffee and trying to figure out where I'm going and juggling all these things. And now it's just so simple. I just pull out my phone, I look up my directions, and I put it in the little coaster right next to it, and it's like chirping at me, telling me, turn left here. So I really like to know where I'm going. I like to know that I'm going in the right direction and to have that positive affirmation that's just like, oh yeah, I'm still on the right track. And then I also have the direction when it's like recomputing. And I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't turn the right way. And now I know that I missed the turn. So I like directions like that. On the other hand, I'm not a big fan of being told what to do. And maybe some of you have that too, where you're like, you know, I got up this morning and I had a certain number of things on my to-do list. And there was one thing at the top, maybe it was mow the lawn, maybe it was, you know, clean the kitchen, maybe it was some kind of project. But as soon as someone tells me, you need to do this, there's something in my heart where that just goes from the top of the to-do list and just gets bumped all the way back down. And now I'm like, I do not want to do that. I, I don't like that. So I've had to, in my professional life, uh, get over that a little bit. Because when your boss tells you that you need to do something, then you need to do it, or pretty soon you are filling out job applications somewhere else. So uh, I'm not saying that necessarily from experience. But I had to get over that kind of idea about I don't always like being told what to do. And so directions, I have this love-hate relationship with them, but I also have a love-hate relationship with decisions. This world is full of decisions. You made several decisions, maybe even several hundred decisions just this morning. When you got up and you looked at the alarm clock and you're like, am I going to get up now? Am I not going to get up now? I'm going to hit the snooze button. Am, am I going to grab this for breakfast? Like, are we doing the oatmeal? Are we doing the apple? Are we doing the smoothie? And so like all of those decisions, even the making the choice about what you're going to wear. So all of these decisions happen in our lives. And there's different kinds of decisions. There are some decisions that are kind of more on the derp, like, duh, we all need to do this, like between good and really bad. Like those decisions are kind of easy to make. Should you stay in the right-hand lane as you're driving down Highway 99, or should you drift over in that left-hand lane? Like that's a no-brainer. You want to stay alive. You stay in that lane. However, there are some other things where there's a good choice and a bad choice, where there's a right choice and a wrong choice, and we kind of have to fight our inner selves, where it's like, I come home from work, should I turn Netflix on, or should I in engage with the other humans in my house? Should I, like, you know, be selfish in this moment? Should I just sit around and not go to the gym? Should I go work out? Should I go be, like, all these things where we kind of have to rise above what we feel like we want to do which is not pulling us in the direction we want to go. Because I think all of us have a kind of an idea of like, I, I wish my life looked like this, you know, super awesome, all put together, everything going the way I want it to. And we are in many ways the sum total of our decisions. So there's the good and the bad, and then there's those decisions that don't mean a whole lot. Are you going to hit the snooze button or not? Depending on the day, that can either mean life or death, or it can just mean nothing. You know, Saturday, I'm just going to hit the snooze button. Or it could be, you know, am I going to choose Android or iPhone? Like that, depending on how much you care about that, that decision may or may not impact your life. So what I struggle with, though, these are the decisions that, like, drive me crazy. 
is when I can't tell which one is the good thing, which one is the wrong thing. And it's that decision between two good or neutral things that you're looking at. You're trying to figure out, well, if I take that job, where does that lead my life? If I live in this state, where does that take my life? And so some of these can have huge implications on your life. And maybe if you look back over your life, you look back over your story, you can point to some big decisions where you're like, my life would be completely different if I had chosen differently in that moment. And so sometimes those are really hard. And as someone who has been following Jesus for a while and has uh, kind of grown up in the church, I know that when I need wisdom and when I need to have some direction, I go to the source of wisdom. I'm going to open this book, God's Word, the Bible, because I really do in my heart of hearts, like I do want to do the right thing. But if you open this book and you search it out, you will not find a verse that says, thou shalt not commute to Portland. Like that's not in there. Thou shalt not move to California. That's not it. Although many of you might live your life that way. You're like, I'm not going to do that. But uh, so we're not going to find those verses that just spell it all exactly out for us. And so to some extent, God has given us the responsibility to choose. I think he's done that kind of on purpose. Because many of us, you, if, you had, if you had kids, you had to teach them how to make those decisions. And you don't want a 30-year-old to be sitting in Safeway going, do I want Fruit Loops or Captain Crunch? Like, I can't make this decision. We don't want that. So you trust your kids. You're like, here, try and choose between these things. Like you're raising them up in that way. And so I think God has given us these decisions to make in many ways to kind of disciple us and help us grow up and to make some of those calls. But it's really hard when you look at these decisions and you don't know, okay, this can have huge implications. In my life, there's one, one decision that was just a case study for how I, I struggle with this, where there were two kind of good options, and I really didn't know which one uh, to pick. So back when Joe and I were dating, before we got married, so my wife and I, we are married, that's cool. And so, uh, so I'll tell you, spoiler alert, that is how this story ends. But um, when we were, were dating, and then I popped the question, we got engaged, the big question was not whether you know, we're actually going to go through with this, whether we're actually going to get married. The big question was how long is the engagement going to be? How long is this going to be? Because I had been living in Idaho, and I was going to college, working on my degree, and kind of building my career and my life, and being a youth pastor over there. And then we had been dating long distance, and she was living in Oregon, and she went and got her teaching degree and her master's degree and license and got hired in a, a town out here in Oregon and started teaching out there. And so this was the big question was, are we going to live in Idaho? where I've set down roots? Are we going to live in Oregon, where she is kind of starting out? And we really did want to get, we really wanted to get married, and we, we really wanted to get married pretty soon. But I was still in school, and so if we were going to live in Oregon, we would have to wait two years for that to happen, which at first I was like, I'm, there, that's not even on the table. I don't even want to do that. I think a one-year engagement is too long. So, uh, so that was kind of where we were at. Or we were going to do the one-year engagement so she could finish up her teaching contract and then move out to Idaho. And so we were talking this through, and then her parents came to us in the middle of this process as we're talking it through, and they said, so from our perspective, 
um, we've, we've, we've been around the block a couple of times. We've seen how the world works. And so in our wisdom, what we would encourage you guys to do is wait the two years until Andrew's done with school and then get married. And then they, they did the ultimate Jesus juke, if you're a youth group kid or whatever. They said, you guys just pray about it. Which ultimately, like, makes you doubt your decision. Like, I, was, I knew where I was going, but now someone's like, you just pray about it. And so Joe and I wrestled with this for months. For six months, we were praying and fasting and, like, seeking the Lord and, like, asking any decision. And, and we just really needed some guidance on this. And I wanted, like, you know, the, the dove to fly down and just drop the, the thing on my desk that's like, yeah, you shall get married immediately. That's exactly what you're going to do. Or, you know, maybe, the, maybe there's... You know, some, some guy walks up, and I, I don't know why I pictured this, but so, some homeless guy with a really cool beard walks up, and it's just like, the Lord told me to tell you that you guys just have to get married right now and do exactly what it is that you want to do, Andrew. That's what God's will is for you. And so we're wrestling with this, and that never happened. We never got a, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt wait two years, thou shalt get married now. And so we're wrestling with this, and maybe you've been there. Maybe you've had to make a decision. Maybe you're up against a decision now. Maybe you're going to be up against the decision a year from now and trying to figure out what do I do when I don't know what to do. And that's the question that the life verse we're going to dig into today is dealing with. What do we do when we don't know what to do? Would you pray with me? Father God, we pray that your spirit is here this morning. And I pray that you are speaking to every single one of us. God, I, I pray that we would be able to focus on you and that we would be able to take from your word something that you would have for us to apply to our lives this week. And so we trust you with everything, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hi, I'm Andrew. I'm the next-gen pastor here at Dallas Church, and I work with the kids and youth ministry. If you are new, we are so glad that you are here with us this morning. We're in this series called My Life Verse. And so in this series, each of our teaching team is sharing about a verse that has meant something to them for a really long time. And it's just been a really cool series for our church. I think a lot of us, we've gotten to know our teaching team. That's probably one of my favorite things about Dallas Church is that we have a team approach to preaching. It's not just, you know, the Jesus thing is not just the thing that the one guy on stage does, but it is something we all do together and to hear the stories of every single person. And so I hope that if you're a part of this church, you've been encouraged in knowing that God is moving and God is doing cool stuff. So with the youth group even, I've made the students start teaching youth group each week. So that doesn't mean I'm taking a break. No, I'm still like doing the job. But the students, um, and we got a picture up here, have been sharing their life verses and their version of, of what it is that God has been calling them to. And that's just been so Cool. So I encourage you in this series, if you haven't listened to it, go on the website, go on the app, like listen to all of it, because we're, we're just dropping truth bombs all the way along here. And this has been really good stuff. So we have had Ben share about Philippians 4.13. And so um, that was, maybe that's your life verse. Maybe that's one for you to latch on to. Um, Jeremiah 29.11 is what we had Jeff share about. And then kind of back to back, we had Romans 12.2, and then the next week, one of our other teaching team members, their verse was Romans 12.2 as well. So I'm really glad that I didn't go with my first choice, which was going to be Romans 12.2. Uh, so it's apparently three out of six Dallas church preachers recommend that Romans 12.2 is your life verse. So if you're looking for one, 
that might be a good one to delve into. But we're going to jump into my life verse today, which is the one that has stuck with me for many, many years. And it is going to be in the book of Proverbs. And so if you got a Bible with me, you got an app, go ahead and open up to Proverbs chapter 3. And the book of Proverbs has a special place in my heart because it was something that was a tradition in the Bullock household. So my great-grandpa used to open the Bible to Proverbs, and he would read Proverbs at the dinner table. He would read one proverb to his kids uh, every single night. And so then my dad picked up that tradition when I was growing up, and every single night he would open, uh, just about every single night, but like at the dinner table, he's opening the book of Proverbs and reading through this, because Proverbs is, is just this amazing book of the wisdom that God's people collected for hundreds of years, like all these little nuggets that they're collecting and putting together in this king named Solomon that you can study about. Um, there's this really cool uh, story about how he chose to get wisdom from God and not from himself. And so he puts together this book of Proverbs, and it is going to tell you how the world normally works 90% of the time. There are exceptions in the book of Proverbs, if you're going to read something, those aren't necessarily promises straight to you that you can be like, oh yeah, this is exactly what that means. For example, in the Bible, it says, train up a child in the way they'll go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Now that doesn't mean that if you bring your kids to DC Kids and in our, our kids program that they will automatically follow Jesus their entire lives. Although we really want that to happen and we're working hard to make that happen. But what it means is that if you're building a pattern, if you're walking in it, then eventually when you grow up, you're going to walk in that same pattern. And many of us, that would be true. Like those patterns that we've set. And so that's how the book of Proverbs works. And so in Proverbs, we have chapter 3. And the crux of Proverbs is Proverbs 1-7 where it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if you want wisdom, if you want the ability to make good decisions and to know which way to go, to know what to do when you don't know what to do, then the place you need to go is not your own heart, is not your own mind, but it is straight to God. And so then they, they expound on that with verses uh, 5 and 6. So Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. I'm going to read it again because it's short. Here we go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. And so what do we do when we don't know what to do, when we've got a decision, when we have to make the call? And I'm not feeling a direction. I don't have that, that magical sign that's just popping into my life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Now, in the book of Proverbs, it's Hebrew poetry. So every word carries a lot of weight. And if you're reading in the book of Proverbs, you have to slow way down. If you want to do a chapter a day, that might be a little too fast. Because we could spend a year just working on one of these. We could spend forever just applying one of these. 
And so each of these words is carefully chosen to mean something very important. So it starts out with trust in the Lord. Trust means to hang on to something, to know it is going to be there, even in the face of adversity. Even in the middle, when you can't see where this thing is going, if you can't see where it's going to end up, when you're scared, that's when you're trusting. You're not trusting when you're just, you know, hanging out and everything's going smooth. That's not really trust. It's trust when the rubber hits the road and when it gets hard. And trust means to trust even when you don't see it. It doesn't mean it's going to be right in front of you. All the evidence isn't going to be pointing in one direction. I'll admit, I probably have some trust issues. When I am going to get in the car and go on a road trip, I have to, like, see my phone charger in my backpack before I trust that it's there. Like, I have to retouch all this stuff and see it before I'm going to go on the... Because I have been up a creek before. So that has happened in my life. And so I, like, I have to check everything myself. I have to see it. We can't do that when it comes to our life and making decisions and walking with God. We have to know that he is going before us. Know that he is the one that we trust. Because we trust, not in a vague concept, not in an abstract, hoping that this all goes well. And not even in a God who's that divine watchmaker who built it all and set it out there and just said, have fun kids, I'll see you later. We are talking about the Lord. And that word, that name for the Lord is Yahweh. That is the God who has walked with Israel throughout all of their stories. And over and over again, if you look at this book, God is referring his people to his track record. Because if you're up against something really scary today, if you don't know what to do today, and you look back over your story, and you realize that God has been with you through every step of the way, even if you didn't feel like it, even if in the moment... Things got a little tense. I didn't know where this was all coming from. I don't know where it's all going. But that God was walking with you all the way. And over and over again, that is what God tells his people to do. Look back on how I got you guys out of Egypt. Look back on how when you were slaves, I came and rescued you. Look back on how when you were a people without a God, without a direction, I became your God. I showed you what to do. And so this Lord, Yahweh, has walked with people ever since the beginning, and he's going to keep walking with you tomorrow. He's going to keep walking with you in the middle of all the stuff that's going on in your life. So we trust in that Lord. We trust in the Lord completely, with all your heart, not holding anything back, not saying, God, I'm going to surrender my spiritual life to you. I'm going to surrender one hour on Sunday to you, but God, I will surrender all of it. And this Hebrew concept of heart is deeper than just the emotions. We would use the word heart. We kind of, in English, do this thing where we're like, so you've got a heart and a brain, and your brain is thinking, and your heart is feeling. And so one of the illustrations of this is a cartoon on Facebook that I love to see occasionally where, like, the brain and the heart are interacting with each other. And the brain is really smart, and he's like, we need to do this. He's all logic. And the heart is like, but it's fun, Let's go over here. Let's do this. And so the brain is like, I'm really worried about our financial situation. And I don't know how we're going to do all this budget. And the heart is like, let's go spend more money to make it better. But what they're talking about in Hebrew is both of those things connected. And God, when you trust God, you're trusting him with your brain, brain engaged, but also with your emotions, with your heart, with your will. And so that comes together as one package to be completely surrendered to God. That's what it means to trust the Lord with all your heart. 
Next phrase is lean not on your own understanding. Another word for that might be insight. What you see, the way that you have decided, I think this would be best for me. I think it would be best for me if, you know, I just made a ton of money, drove a really nice car, and never ever had to go to the gym to work out. I just looked super fit all the time. So unfortunately, God doesn't seem to agree with me about all of that stuff. But our own understanding, we have a picture of how we want our life to go. And that doesn't always match up with what God has for us. And that is the human problem. If, we, if there's one problem with humanity, it is this decision of choosing my way or God's way. My understanding, God's understanding. Way back in Genesis chapter 3, you've got Adam and Eve, and they have one decision to make. God says, don't eat of the fruit. So what's the one thing humans do when they're in the garden? One rule, don't eat of the fruit. They eat of the fruit. Why? Because it says, in there, it says that they saw that it would be good for gaining wisdom. And they weren't going to trust God for their wisdom. They weren't going to lean back on what he said. Instead, they were going to lean on their insight. I think this is better for me. And so they reach out and they take it and they disobey God. They say, what you gave me is not enough. I'm going to take for myself. And that's how we get in this mess. And if you look back over your story, the moments when you got yourself in a mess are probably those times where you said, God, what you gave me is not enough. I want this. And you took that for yourself. And so when you lean on your own understanding, that word there, lean, means a broken crutch. It means that you are putting all of your weight on something that is not going to hold up. And what happens when you do that? Maybe you've, you've been in that situation before where you thought the step was going to be right there and it wasn't. And you all went tumbling down. You thought at the lunch table, I'm going to sit down now and my chair's going to be there. But your friend, what did they do? They pulled it out and bam, you're on the floor. All of a sudden it hurts everywhere. It's no fun. But that's what it's like. When we say, God, I want what I want. I'm going to run after what I want. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to lean on my understanding. And when we take that for ourselves, we end up broken and in all kinds of a mess. And we do that not just in the big way of saying, God, I'm going to follow you with like, whether you're going to follow God or not. The orientation of your life, we also do that in little things where... God encourages you. Walk with integrity in your professional life. And when we decide, well, I don't want to do that. That's hard. I'm going to take this instead. That's when we get into trouble. God's going to say, walk with integrity in, in your marriage. Pursue your spouse. Die to yourself. And, and go after them. Die to your own wants and desires. Go after them. And when we go outside that, when we take outside of that, that's when we get in a mess. And so over and over again, what God wants for us is better than what we want for us. So there's, there's one picture that kind of illustrates this in the little things. Um, and I, I, this picture has been on Facebook for like years and years. And it's just always stuck with me. And so I, I love this idea that, that Jesus, he's got the teddy bear. It's a really big one. It's bigger and it's cooler. But what do we want to do? We want to hang on to what we got. But God, I love it. I'm comfortable here. I don't want to go somewhere else. I don't, want to, I don't want to be stretched. I want to hang on to what I got. And maybe what it is that God has for you involves some scariness and involves some risk. And maybe the wise thing doesn't always mean the easy thing and the smooth thing, but it means the better thing 
that God is calling you to. So lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And that's, that's deeper than just acknowledging that he's there. Like I realize God is a thing, and now I'll move on with my life and do what I want. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean just you know, saying, sup, when they walk in the door. That's not this kind of acknowledgement. Can you imagine a, a, a married relationship where that's all the interaction is, is when you walk home from work afterwards and you're like, sup? Like that's, that's, not, a, that's not a good thing. That's not a good, good marriage. It's about walking together day in and day out. It's about having those conversations. I got to figure out what is in my wife's heart. Like what makes her tick? What are the things that drive her? What are, what are her hopes? What are her dreams? And that's a relationship. That's what it means to really know someone. And that's the picture God is putting for us. Then instead of leaning on our own understanding, we are walking with God. And then we are getting to know him through this. We are getting to know what he cares about. We're getting to know his heart. And as we get to know his heart more, then we get to know more about what it is that he would have us do in the situations where we don't know what we need to do. So every area of our lives surrendered to him, acknowledging him when it comes to our finances, our work, our friendships, our marriage, even our future. And saying that, God, I know that what you want for me is better, and so I'm going to trust you in the middle of this, even though I don't see where it's going. There's one quote that stuck with me for a while that says, oftentimes we are fine with giving God our past. We're saying, God, clean this up. You can have it. And we're totally cool with giving God our past, but we get really scared when it comes to giving God our future. Where he gets really scared, where I, I'm going to trust that you're going to still be with me. Fast forward a year from now, fast forward a week from now, even when it's scary, even when it's uncomfortable, that God is still going to be with us, walking with us. And oftentimes what you'll find, as you get to know God and as you get to know his heart, is that he cares more about who you're becoming than the things that you're doing. And I think there's a reason why in the Bible that we don't find a thou shalt be an engineer, thou shalt be a plumber, thou shalt do this, thou shalt do that, because instead God cares less about what your day job is and more about the person that you're becoming in that situation. And is your heart being submitted to and conformed to the image of his son? Are you becoming more like Jesus? And is God working on you in that moment? So it's more of a who before it is the do of what you're going to do with all of this. And if you do that, so we, we've got this so far, right? God is trustworthy. We're going to trust him. We're not going to lean on our own understanding. Every area of our lives is submitted to him. And if you do that, then he will make straight your paths. He will make straight your paths. And this is probably the one that I'm going to struggle with the most. Because I have called God out on this stuff before. Where I've been like, okay, so you said, you said you're going to make straight my paths. It's not feeling straight right now. It doesn't feel like it's going where I want it to go. And this is where I've wrestled with him. This is where I think I've grown through that process. When it says path, this idea of a path in the Bible is about the way that your life is going. 
the way that you are walking in. Moses, in the Old Testament, stands up to the people of Israel right before they've got this land that God is going to give them. They're going to walk into this land. And he says, I put before you two paths today. The path of life, the path of death. Choosing God's way, choosing your way. And on one path, there is life. And many of us, if you've given your life to Jesus, you've put your life on that path. The early Jesus followers, before they were called Christians, the name that they were given was followers of the way. Followers of the path. Walking the Jesus path. And so maybe there's something deeper about following God than just having something that you say, yeah, I've got the I'm saved card and that goes in my wallet right next to AAA, so I'm really good no matter what happens. But it's about walking with God day in and day out. Every single decision submitted to him. And notice it, it doesn't say that you're going to pick the perfect path every single time or that this path is going to be perfect all the way. It's saying that it's going to be smooth. And what it means by that, when it's going to be straight, is it means that God is preparing it for you. And so when you're walking down the path with God, this is not some crazy thing out, out, in the, out in the back brush or wherever you're going and over terrain where you're forging your own trail. This is something where God has gone before you. And every step you take, he knows. He knows where you're going. Every step you take, he's not surprised. He's not freaking out. Oh, no, you have two job opportunities. I wasn't prepared for that. Oh, no, you got to find a job opportunity. Like, God is not sitting up there looking at our problems saying, I just had no idea that they were going to face that. I've never seen a human in this scenario before. Like, he doesn't do that. This image here is what would happen when someone important was going to come to a town, is they would send a team out to go clear the road and go before them and make it happen. And so sometimes we're walking on this path, and this is where it can get really scary. Because smooth or straight or walking on God's path doesn't always mean easier. It does mean better. It doesn't always mean that it's easier and everything's coming together, but it does mean better. We've had many times, even just in this past year, where there are people who have started coming back to church, at our church, and all of a sudden something happens that week. Whether it is that some, some old baggage or something gets kind of stirred up, whether it's emotional whether there's like some spiritual thing going on where someone's like, I'm going to make a decision to do this for God. And all of a sudden, there's a roadblock there. All of a sudden, it gets harder. It could even just be that the tire goes out on your car. But whenever we tend to make these decisions to follow God, opposition happens. And it doesn't mean that this path is just going to be a slip and slide all the way down. Woohoo! So easy. But it means that it's the path that God has for us. There's a, a Portuguese proverb that I, I just thought was really cool where it says that God writes straight with crooked lines. Now that's poetic, so don't overthink it too much. You know, if you're trying to like, you know, get the analogy of it. But, but that God knows what he's doing and he's making straight your paths even though if you look at it in the moment, you're like, this doesn't look, it looks pretty twisty and turny right now. But that God from a bird's eye view, is doing something with your life. One of my, my favorite scenes from there is, there's the, the book, uh, The Shack, where this guy interacts with God, and, and I'm not going to 100% say this is the theology of God that I have, but in that book, there's this really cool moment where he's working with the personification of the Holy Spirit. 
he's working with the Holy Spirit in this garden. And he's looking around at this garden, and there are just like things all tangled up on each other. Like it does not look like that one person's garden on the Home and Garden channel where it's all like nice and rose and the celery's over here and everything. Like it, it doesn't look like that. It's all messy and it's all tangled and it's all up in each other. And he's looking at this. He's like, what kind of a gardener are you? He's looking at this, trying to figure out, how can this be a garden if it's all tangled and messed up? But what, what they say is you're looking at it from the wrong perspective. And you're looking at it down here. But if you step back, if you were to look at this thing from a bird's eye view, it's a tapestry. It's a design. It's a beautiful thing that is going on. But all you can see right now is this little tangled mess. And sometimes that's our lives. Sometimes that's how it feels. Is that right now it's a tangled mess, but overall God is doing something really cool and really big with it. And we don't always know what that is going to be. And so that's the verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So what do we do when we don't know what to do? Where do we go when we don't know what to do? So here's the simple phrase. If you're writing it down, this is the big idea. You trust the Lord and you walk the path. You trust the Lord and you walk the path. You know that the God who has been with you yesterday is going to be with you tomorrow. You know that he has your best, not what's easiest for you, but that his way is better. And so you trust the Lord and you walk the path. And what do we do to do this? Well, that takes some trust. That means coming, coming to a point where you can trust God with what's going on. And so maybe when anxiety raises its head in your life and when you've got that voice in the back of your head that's chirping and saying, I don't know if you can do this. I don't know how this is going to turn out. Maybe that means chucking the ball in God's court and saying, I don't know either. He does. And that's hard. That's hard to do. But building up that trust, cultivating your relationship with God. If you haven't read the Bible through, maybe that's something you need to do and look at how God is there for his people over and over again. If you read the Psalms, there are times where the person is saying, God, I don't see you right now, but I know you're there. And so maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe it comes from cultivating some humility and changing your mindset and answering it with the very freeing answer to any question is, I don't know. And that's okay right now. I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't know long term how this is going to go. Or maybe it means building up some wisdom in your life. James says that if anyone lacks wisdom, if anyone needs more wisdom in their life, ask God who gives freely. He gives to you. He's ready to give you some wisdom. You ask for it. And so that might mean digging into God's word. That might mean... Uh, talking it through with some trusted Christian people in your life who've walked with God, some wise people. So what do we do when we don't know what to do? We trust the Lord and we walk the path. Because that's how our story goes. That's how we walk with God. So I can tell you in my story about how, you know, we were wrestling with that. Are we going to get married now and live in Idaho? Are we going to live in Oregon? And it felt huge at the time. And looking back, I'm like, it's kind of a big deal, but like, I'm not that kind of big. I feel a little stupid, like how, how hard this was for us. 
But I look back and it felt like this giant decision. It was so hard to try and trust it and say, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what. I'm going to put this in your court. I'm going to let you do this. And I'm just going to take a step and follow you. But if I fast forward and I look back. So we did decide to wait the extra two years. And that wasn't always fun in the moment. The extra year wasn't always fun in the moment. But because we did that, when we got married, we moved to this town called Dallas. And because we were going in this town called Dallas, we ended up at this church in Dallas called Dallas Church. Go figure. And so we show up at this church called Dallas Church, and then pretty soon we're attending here. And then I started talking to this Ben Bauman guy and uh, found out he's kind of cool. And eventually, uh, they, that's kind of how, how I ended up on staff here. And how a lot of the impact and the life change that I've been able to see in my ministry is we're, we're raising up young people and we're praying about the city and we're trying to make a difference. That would not have happened the same way if we hadn't have surrendered in that moment. If we hadn't said, God, we are, are gonna, we're going to do this, we're going to trust you even if we don't know if we have 100% of the answers. And so I don't know what your story is. I don't know what you're up against. But we're going to trust God. And we're going to walk the path. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. I pray that your spirit is giving us wisdom, is, is giving us direction, and that, God, you would give us courage when we don't always 100% know what it is that we need to do, but that we would trust who you are and who it is that you're making us to be, and that we would follow you in that moment and in that choice. And so we surrender this all to you. It is in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.